0: Well, welcome everybody to our podcast, Success, Secrets, and Stories. This podcast is hosted by me, John Maloski, author of Building Your Leadership Toolbox, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Greg Paul, Greg. Hey everybody. So this podcast is dedicated to a particular issue described in previous podcasts, and I know you guys have been listening. Hmm. it's the highlight, the effect of being engaged in your life. Now, Greg, I know you have an interesting uh, quote that you'd like to talk about.
1: Thanks, John. Yeah, let me share this with you folks. Life is in the windshield, not in the rearview mirror. I really, really like this quote because it's the clearest example of how people are challenged by their conduct. To be more specific, what happened in your past can affect what you're doing but it's nothing more than a memory. That's what the past is. You can either learn from that memory that can influence and help you in the present moment, or you can allow that memory to affect your present and create a distraction where you're no longer engaged in what you're doing. You remember the old days with the shopping malls? Remember my son, he loved to run and have me chase him in the mall. And Mm -hmm. he would run and he would see me coming after him because he was looking right at me. He was looking back at me. I'd say, Gregory, look where you're going, not where you've been. Well, this is a little bit more sophisticated than that, right? So the key here is understanding when the distraction is overwhelming and the individual, the team needs to step back and find a path forward. So what do I mean when I say the path forward? It means don't dwell on how upset you are about something negative that occurred in the past. Turn that anxiety into energy that focuses on a successful solution in a forward direction. Deal with the facts and limit the opinions of others. Issues that affect looking forward or ahead are things like banishing all second thoughts and self-doubt. Just simply block them out. Do not get mired in the I can't believe we're in this predicament or what-if game or somebody tried that years ago.
0: I I love that one. It's like, you know, back in in, uh, 93, it's like, uh, it's 2023 now? Yeah, or the the what-if game. I think something... The what-if game kind of reminds me of something that Dr. Durst had happen in his actual class. You know, he, he described that every time he was trying to give an example of responsibility and, and being the core, the, you have to take responsibility for your life. And, and, and no matter what event that you're talking about, he would have somebody stand up and say, but what if? And it just is exhausting. And, and no matter how many times... He would try to give give an example. There would always be somebody who would say, yeah, but what if, you know? What what if the car flew, you know, was was hit by oncoming traffic? What if, what if, what if? He finally said, you know, I, I made the statement and I had some lady that said, Well, what happens if you got hit by lightning? And he would give a standard response. Did you get hit by lightning? And she said, Yes. He <laughs> was stunned. He's like, walked over, grabbed her hand and said, thank you because you're the first person that actually in my world would say you have zero responsibility for what happened to you. But I think, I think the, the, the part that the what if game is that everybody loves to try to tear it, tear it down and criticize it. And I am, I am like dog tired of, of the devil's advocate, you know, looking for ways of trying to push an answer or kill Creativity, and I don't think there's anything that kills creativity faster than a "what if." But uh, I digress. I think I think you got a few other points, Greg. Yeah, thanks, John. And so
1: there's a famous uh, Italian philosopher's name is George Santayana, and I'm sure you've heard this 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 quote before, but I'm going to repeat it here: "Those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it." That's a pretty powerful statement, but I don't think the idea from uh, George Santayana. Was to become paralyzed by the past. Because when you look back, you're not moving forward. You'll miss the opportunity for always looking backwards. You can't change the past, but you can positively affect the future. I've got another quote from a business leader from CEO of Kantar Futures. He said, we all have a natural tendency to look backward, think short term, be afraid of change, do our best to avoid risk and react rather than anticipate. The real key to the concept of looking forward can be phrased this way: Think about transitions, moving from one place to another. Transitions can be very positive, and they can be very creative. Transitions can create change,
0: development, and progression. John? And the one, the what if game is the the counter, the, the yin and the yang of creativity. Okay. There's there's nothing more distracting than the what if game i i I keep on seeing your son looking backwards (laughs) that yeah always always got a tickle out of how we try to look forward but we're usually looking in the past and those are the things that dr durst was trying to talk about and and one thing that he talks about that is a core principle that we'll be talking about this podcast and the next podcast is his statement that we are responsible for everything in our experience, whether we like it or not. So for me, I think memories are the challenge here. Uh, significant memories, regardless of how they're generated, are the places where our minds like to go and retrieve things from the past. The key is that the memory can either be a positive or a negative and he makes another statement that I think is kind of entertaining. The mind is an idiot; it's going to go where it wants to go. Whether, <laughs> whether we we're not machines, so right. you know that whole part about how we handle memories is is always a challenge. And it and it reminds me of some of the things that have happened to me in my past. And it can be either positive or negative. I'd like to say that I made it a positive, but I, I'm I think about the things that we do in terms of careers. And I remember going to a job that I had moved my family. We're very excited about taking this new job. And I thought this was my opportunity to move from a supervisor to a manager. And I'm sitting in the office of the HR manager on my first day. And I'm very excited. It's a fortune 500 company. I think this is where I want to put my career. and. I asked the HR manager about the retirement program and, and how many years of service do I need in order to actually uh, meet the requirements for that, for that opportunity. And, and he stopped and he looked at me and went, nobody retires from this company. The longest 10 year person we have in management right now has eight years worth of service. Whoa. Yeah. So, you know, that whole idea of what what do you take from that environment and how uh, active are you in terms of listening and being in the now? I was practicing my resignation letter at that point, but I, I really didn't understand the environment. I got a very clear signal on the front end that I think I made a mistake. And... I went and worked with this supervisor and I I should give a little background. This supervisor, I'm sorry, this manager, because I came in as a supervisor. This manager was probably the most intelligent, highest IQ person I have ever met. Taught me a lot in terms of what's involved in terms of operations. Very sharp guy. Uh, He had a problem that I had a degree and he didn't. And I think that was some of his problem. He was threatened by you, John. I, he was threatened. And I think, you know, looking at it, it was a caustic environment. It was demeaning. It, w- it was clearly prejudice in terms of my background. And I couldn't respect him more because I thought he was a very good teacher, but I knew that he had issues, to put it mildly. And after about... Well, it was actually 12 months as I was going into my performance review. And during this time, he had actually spent two months, almost three months off the job. And I was doing his job as a manager and my job as a supervisor at the same time. And he was basically summarizing my career and giving me a performance review at the time. And at, at that point, I had already started to look for somewhere else to work. And I had my resignation letter in my pocket. He finished his review, and I said, well, to be honest, um, I'm handing in my resignation. And there was that surprised look on his face of, you know, what's going on? And he said, you no, know, this is a good review. I mean, you mean, got, you got a B minus here, and you could have had a, a, a perfect score. And I said, well, okay, tell me what I didn't do. And he said, well, it, the organization had safety issues. Like, it's not me. It was a different department. In the organization, they had the safety problem. He goes, yes, but we all share the safety issues together. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, and I told him that the, this resignation stands. And he said, uh, okay, I have to know, how can somebody as stupid as you be as successful as you are? Yeah. And I, I laughed because you know the reason that he was promoted was he beat the records of his predecessor in terms of production. And in the short 12 months that I was there, I beat his records and it just drove him nuts. And I said, well, you know, technically your mind is superior to mine and you've demonstrated that over time. That's great. But your one mind is not as strong or as competent as my 12 minds, that be me and the 11 people in my department. And 11 I'm sorry, 12 minds versus one will win every time. And I let them let them sink in a little bit. And he said, well, give me an example. Give me an example of how your approach is better than my approach. I said, fine. Do you know that they call you a librarian here? Because every one of our manuals you keep in a bookshelf behind you with a card in it that they have to sign out. I mean, seriously, this is information they should have. And then I looked him in the eye and I said, by the way, you don't have to buy any more copies. Cause I already did. And they're in the shop and that's what they have already. So I bypassed your library a long time ago. And just a look in his face of, wow, you know, I couldn't have gotten given him a better example. And he turned around and he looked at his librarian approach and realized how really bad that is in terms of creating teamwork and how me bringing that information into the environment for them to have was considered one of the better pluses in my management style. It was just that simple. It, it isn't so much whether you're fighting intelligence or not, it's whether you, can manage and lead. It isn't a contest of intellect. And that's why I I think he missed the whole concept of MBR. If anybody could have learned anything from MBR, it would have been him because he was bright enough to make the connections. But when I gave him that input, he changed. I had people that called me later that were complimenting me that he looked like he was really making some inroads of of Mm. changing. He did regress back after a period of time, but you know what, it it had an effect. And I, I know that was an MBR effect. Greg, maybe you can talk about the MBR approach a little bit. Yep, thank you, John. And two very good examples you gave about taking responsibility
1: for your own career and livelihood, as well as basic book information that your team needed. You, you decided to do something about it and you did. Right. So Dr. Durst described the two stages of uh, MBR management by responsibility, and this explanation may expand the definition from the simple statement. There's a couple stages. Stage one, at least take 100% responsibility for the reactions and actions of an event. In other words, notice it's response hyphened ability
0: in two words, but one, one meaning here response ability. Well, um, yeah, it's two words. And, and really, that's the point. There's a ability to be responsible, exactly.
1: Right, So you could live the rest of your life crippled, feeling unfairly treated, even being victimized, or you can choose to be productive, happy and successful. You have the total choice, the responsibility to decide how to conduct yourself. Let's look at stage two. Once you start taking 100 percent of responsibility for your reaction to an event, you'll notice that you actually are responsible for it. It starts with taking responsibility. Now, stage two might sound a little confusing, so let me help out just a little bit. The very first reaction when something goes wrong is denial. Yeah. It's not my problem. I, yeah. that, they did that. That's how they sent it to me, right? It's the guy on the left, That me. Right? guy on the left. It's a human nature. It's our human nature not to take the blame. So right now, there's no robots. There's no AI here. It's us. It's right. human beings, flesh and blood. And our default is to deny. Deny, deny, deny. Right? You yeah. know it's not my fault. As soon as you accept responsibility, however, for actions or reactions in your environment, that they are your reality. And instead of hiding a denial, you actually can move on. You can pick up and move on. This is a real difference between an effective leader and a compromised leader. It's really that simple. Again, an effective leader makes things happen, takes responsibility, leads forward versus a compromised leader saying, I'm the victim here. It's, I didn't do this. This was given to me. I got dealt a bad set of cards. A good MBR job is keeping agreements, allowing you to put your headphones on and listen to the symphony of your life. A lousy job where you don't keep your arrangements would create a different type of music in your headphones. We know what kind of music that is. Mm-hmm. You're writing the theme of your career or your resignation. It's really up to you to, to, to determine what kind of music
0: you want to listen to. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, like the example I was giving, writing my resignation for the HR guy writing my resignation with my interesting manager, knowing that I had made a good decision of writing my resignation at my performance review after one year. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You wrote your resignation music, John. Yeah, man. It's like, geez, could it have been any clearer that if you're taking responsibility for the environment you're in, people who play victim will stay in that environment for years and years, hoping to either outlast or the promise of advancement would have been applied and you can move past that particular manager. There's, there's different reasons for staying in that environment. Um, I really felt that mine was so caustic that I had to move on. So I think that kind of covers our subjects for today. What are we going to be talking about in our next podcast? All right. So
1: John, next week we'll be delving into examples of not, I repeat, not, being bound
0: by your past, which is which is a, a kind of an addition to what we're doing today. I mean, it's trying to talk about some other examples that are, I think, very good examples on getting past the things that could be holding you back. So, uh, this is the part in terms of how we pay our bills. My uh, book is available. Uh, from uh, Lulu.com and Amazon.com Building Your Leadership Toolbox. The e-book is available on Barnes & Noble. The podcast, Obviously You Found It, Thank You Very Much, is available on a lot of popular podcast formats. Dr. Durst's work is available at SuccessGrowthAcademy.com The music is brought to you by my grandson. And uh, Greg, as always.
1: It's been fun, John.
0: Later, everybody.